There's not one word that can describe our guest on this week's episode of the 2030 podcast. Hers is a story of resilience, strong character, and hours upon hours of hard work and determination that has created opportunities for her. Growing up in a family full of teachers, everybody, especially her parents, knew she would become one. But against their wishes, she charted a path of her own and has never looked back ever since. My name is Akisa Wandera. I'm a news anchor and a news reporter uh, with KTN News. I've been in this media industry for uh, five years now. Quite a journey that began a long time ago. I was the young girl who loved to listen to people, the young girl who loved to engage with people, even at a very tender age. Visitors would come home and I'd be the person my mother would call to speak to visitors. So I was always a kid that would, quote unquote, entertain visitors when they get home. And um, maybe then it didn't mean much, but um, throughout my journey into primary school, I was a very active child. I was um, in pretty much every activity that was artsy, you name it, drama, uh, music. Even at a very young age, I used to uh, be the soloist in school choirs when I was in primary school. And then after that, in 2005, I joined Form 1. And this time around, my parents decided that um, maybe they should change the environment and take me to, you know, uh, a, a school in the counties. And that's how I landed in St. Cecilia Girls High School, Misihu, which is in Webuye, Bungoma County, rather. I think that was one of my most uh, that was one of the scariest uh, times of my life because I'd, I'd lived in Nairobi uh, my entire life. Occasionally went home during the holidays, you know, to visit the grandma and, and, and stuff. I'd never been away from my parents. I'd never been by myself because I always lived home. So here I am at 13, 12, 13 year old, um, you know, taken to a school way far away from where my my folks are. It was very scary. I I didn't know whether I would survive. My sister was in a school that wasn't too far, but still that was no consolation. I remember vividly. So after my father took me to school, did the entire registration thing, uh, I ensured that I was settled in, introduced me to my, my, my teachers and dorm mistresses, introduced me to people that I would majorly be interacting with. So he left. So this day, of course, uh, we were told that uh, tomorrow is Wednesday because we reported on Tuesday. So tomorrow is Wednesday and it's mandatory mass day because it was a Catholic school. So it was a mandatory mass day for everyone, meaning uh, by 6 a.m. we all go to church, then come back to continue with the day's activities. So that's what happened. Um, the next morning we were woken up to go to church. So I'm trying to reach out to my box, you know, the huge metallic box that we report to school with. I'm trying to reach out to my box um, and I realized I'd locked my uh, school, I'd, I'd locked my keys inside my box and everything that I owned remained inside that box, was inside that box, 
including my shoes. I mean, I'd never had to handle keys my whole life. I'd never had to take care of myself like that. And I remember my first reaction was to cry because everyone is rushing to go to church. I have nothing to wear. The only thing I have is my night dress on. So one of the form fours gave me something to wear. And then we headed to church and then people, you know, gave me soap to shower with. But nobody had an extra pair of shoes, so I had to wear slippers to church. So you can imagine, first impressions. This is the first time I'm going to church. I'm going for mass in this new school. I'm in old clothes, like really old. The blouse that I had been given had was torn on the collar. The skirt was quite faded because we used to wear green skirts. And I was in bathroom slippers. So we go for mass and everyone is looking at me really weird. Like, this is a foreign face, but why does it look old? Obviously, because of how I was dressed. So I met one of the teachers on duty um, on our way back. And then she asked, hi, are you are you new? I said, yes, I am. So why are you dressed like that? And I said, um, I'd, um, of course, mumbled something and said, I'd... Uh, locked everything of mine inside the you know inside the box and um, he, she said uh, make sure uh, you, you break that box I don't want to see you looking like that in this school we maintain a certain standard so I went back of course broke my box but that was my f- very first introduction into high school and I honestly did not think I would survive it I didn't think that I would do four years in that school. I joined all possible clubs to just try and mingle with as many people as I can. In my first time, in my first time, I joined the drama club, I joined the music club. So I started getting myself busy. So in form two, I joined what was called the vast speaking club and it was one of the most famous things known about the school because they always went to nationals took their verses to nationals not one sometimes even up to 10 uh, verses to school and i would say here is where i learned a lot of things in terms of um, you know just getting rid of stage fright uh, I, I would stand in front of crowds and do things, but this was a little bit more intense than what I had been doing in my previous in, in previous primary school and whatnot. But from what I was doing with verse speaking and and and, and all that stuff, drama I became a chair lady of both clubs. By the time I was in form three, it continued to shape what I'd always had in my mind because I'd always told myself that one day. I'm going to be telling stories on TV because I'd been watching a lot of TV when I was young. So I knew that's the path I wanted to take. So I was very keen with subjects like English, Swahili. I took verse speaking maybe more seriously than anyone else did. Maybe then I didn't think how impactful it would be to my career now. I'd always told my, my parents that I wanted to be a journalist. So... I think maybe they didn't think I was serious because after high school, they said, maybe you can think of other courses to do. My mother was a teacher. My grandfather was a teacher. So that was naturally one of the things they said I would consider because they thought I was good with people. I had people skills. Still do till date, but I'd never envisioned myself, you know, teaching like that. 
it was such a push and pull they would get people to come talk to me professionals teachers who are their friends and they'd say you can do education or not, or any other course and still be a journalist and i would ask them because i'm the most outspoken of my parents children so i'd ask them why not just take journalism and go straight into it why do i need to use a different path to get there so of course it's the other people have done it and they would cite examples when like those people did it differently if this is what i want to do why not just study for it why would i need to study education and be a journalist and i told them i'm, I'm not changing my mind it's either i do that or i don't go to school i stuck i, I stuck to my guns and after a few months they thought I'd become a nuisance in their house so they quickly started asking me to go out to places and check out you know do uh, applications so i did applications at the daystar university and the kenya institute of mass communication and of course the application for the kenya institute of mass communication i got a letter before and i didn't want my parents to change their minds so i told them i will start with a diploma if that's all i have to do i will do it So I went to the KMC and started my journey. From the first year, uh, like I said, I've always been active and curious about what's happening. So I heard that uh, there were auditions for um for the radio station for the school called ECN Radio. So they said uh, do a voice test, so I did. And they told me after a few weeks the results came out, I was among the people who were picked to, you know, work in the radio station for the school of course came without pay but it came with exposure a lot of people didn't take it seriously so i was an evening student in in school at the KMC that means my classes begin at um, 4 p.m. and end at 9 p.m. but i'd been given the morning bulletins to do and read on the ECN radio that meant i would be in school by around 7 a.m. sometimes 6:30 a.m. and stay in school through to 9 p.m. so i stayed uh, did news there for a while uh two years and then i joined gbs as one of their reporter interns so i worked so hard i would be at work by 8 a.m. and i would leave at 10 p.m. i remember my off days used to be on thursdays just thursdays but i barely ever took an off day because even that thursday you'd get called to 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 go to the field or cover something so for about 3 months i was working the entire time the entire time i was on the move by the time i went back to school for my next semester i'd lost about 10 kilos because <laughs> i'd get home and i'd be so fatigued and i'd just sleep one day i just got home i remember i'd had such a long day uh we'd we'd, we'd 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 gone to cover elections the 2013 march election so we'd been told to carry um our, our things and we'll be sleeping over at work for about four days to cover the election and because this was an election that um came after what happened in 2007 there are not a lot of shops that were open during that particular week so for the four days that i covered the election I only survived on coffee and buns that were usually sold in the office because there wasn't much food during the day I'd been at polling stations during the night I'd be at polling centers till say 3 a.m. and I worked so hard so after that um 
I ended up uh, I, I went back home after after the three days and I just called my mom and told her I just want cooked food I haven't had cooked food since the last time I left your house I slept for almost 20 hours straight I couldn't make it to work the next day I honestly don't know how I got through that particular semester, but it was my last semester. So we finished and graduated in 2013. So after that, uh, I started dropping my application letters everywhere. So I went to all, I I like to joke and say that uh, I have my papers in very many media houses because I dropped my papers everywhere every possible TV station, radio station you can think of. So one day I meet my friend, Namukabo Erunga. Uh, we used to intern together at GBS when we covered the elections together. And then she tells me, um, there's this new station that's come up. Um, um, I'm going there to drop my papers. Can you take me? Then I tell her, but I've, I, I came with my CVs, but I've already distributed all of them. What do we do? So we decide, let's take Namkabo's papers and then we'll take mine later. So we start the journey to Upper Hill, where the Ebru offices are. And then we find a lot of other people who are at the reception um, looking for the same thing. Most of them actually were people I had graduated with at KIMC. So we were making a lot of noise there and even the receptionist was an alumnus of KIMC so it was a lot of catch up. Then the news director, of course we didn't know he was a news director, comes out to find out why is there so much noise out here. So the receptionist tells him, uh, this, all these guys are looking for jobs, they've come to drop their CVs. He was a Turkish guy. So I tell, um, so he looks around and asks you, what do you want? You in a red top, yes you, what do you want? So I say, um, I'm looking for a job. And then he asks as, I tell him as a news reporter. And then the most dreaded question comes, where are your papers? I have encouraged them. So he says, um, I tell him, um, uh, my apologies, I don't have them with me today. But I assure you that they will be on your desk first thing tomorrow morning. The next day was a Saturday. And then he said, make sure you're here tomorrow by 8 a.m. I said, I will be here. And then I and then he went back in and everyone else was like, OK, what just happened? I was like, I don't know. And then one of my friends asked, do you know that guy? I said, I have never seen that guy my whole life. Then they said, OK, maybe today was your lucky day. So December went by, January went by. On the last day of February, I'd gone gone for an interview somewhere in Westland. So on my way back, I I got two phone calls. One phone call was from WTV. And they said they wanted uh, me to go for an interview. I'd dropped one one of my CVs there and my papers. And then Ebru TV called when I was still in the Matatu. Both these calls I got from on my way from Westlands to town. You can imagine the distance. Not a very big distance. I thought, what a lucky day. So Ebru TV also calls and says, uh, please come and see. 
the news director tomorrow. I called WTV and told them I can only make it at 12 a.m. They said, sure, you can come in at 12 a.m. So I went to every TV um, and I was given a contract. I went and saw the news director, I was given a contract signed, was given a news, um, I was given a cameraman and I went to the field that very day. I never made it to WTV. Um, I don't know whether they wonder what happened, but they never called me back. And that's how then the journey in mainstream media officially began now uh, with Ebru TV where I stayed for two years before I joined uh, KTN from a very young age when I was very deliberate about what I wanted to do. I've always learned to be deliberate because I've seen it work for me in very in, in, in several instances all the way from high school. Why was I very keen on how I pronounce words? Why was I very keen on how I say things, what I read? Because I used to read a lot of books. I was very keen on doing it because I said, I know the career I want to go to language is so paramount that I cannot afford to joke with. So I was very deliberate, even in high school, on what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. When I get, uh, when I got into in, into college, of course, many people kept asking me, why are you reading news in that station? They're not paying you. But it gave me a head start. By the time we went for internship with people who are asking me those questions, by day two, I'd started voicing my stories on air. Those same people did internships in even better media houses than I was in, but they never had their voices on air. Why? Because I had been training for that moment when I was in college, reading news in that particular station. I knew there was a day that would need this. And that was when I went for my internship. GBS taught me resilience, a lot of it, in that I think sometimes I laugh when everywhere else I went, when I had people say they're being overworked, I would laugh because it's work I'd do without complaining. Because I'm like, you have not been overworked yet. I used to work until I'd, I'd get to the house and just collapse out of fatigue. Even the working conditions were not the best, but that was one of my firmest, toughest, and most memorable teachers into the media. Standing up to my parents and sticking to my guns about my instinct and what I wanted to do was a lesson for both myself and them. And uh, I think then is when they started to let go and let even my other siblings make this, some decisions, some life decisions for themselves. For me, it means it, it, it meant that when you're so sure and you have conviction that this is the direction you want to go, no one can stop you as long as you know you are on the right side and it is the right thing to do for yourself. Because at the end of the day, it is a career you will do. It does not make sense to spend more than 10 hours at a workplace doing a job you do not love. So joining Ebru, when I was taking someone to do my, uh, to take up, you know, uh, to take their papers, I didn't have mine. Again, that was a chance to fumble and or keep quiet, but I told him I don't have them, honesty. I don't have them but they will be at your desk tomorrow by 7 or 8 a.m., whichever way you want it. I think I was lucky because, I mean, why would he pick me off a group of almost 10 people? But with luck also comes the responsibility on you to prove why you are the one to be given that chance. 
so it is a huge responsibility for you to prove that you are the best fit for that job and it's a responsibility I carried with myself for all the two years I was at every TV there's no overnight success for anyone unless you're selling drugs I mean people now who tell me Akisa you're very lucky you just got out of college got a job and but they don't know about the sleepless nights they don't know about how hard i had to work they don't know about the days i had to go without food because i was too busy and too broke to eat anything they don't know about all those things they just see a girl on tv read news uh, do stories glamorous and they think i got out of college and boom that happened it does not happen like that and maybe you feeling like you've been trying to do this for a very long time and it's not coming to you I say there's luck yes but there's hard work that comes with luck. Second thing is are you really sure this is what you want to do? Or are you doing it because you think it's a cool thing to do? If you think it's a cool thing to do then I have bad news. Maybe that's why we are having a problem. If you really want something and you really want it so bad, you will do anything to get it. You will work so hard. And I'm not disputing the fact that the media industry is a hard one to crack now because you have to work harder than anyone else. And it's not just the media industry now. Any young person who gets into the job market now, they're looked upon as the people who think they know better than everyone else. So you have to constantly keep proving yourself that you are worth the job. But don't dis- spare i mean these things happen like i said you look back and you'll see the lessons that god used and the people that god used to teach you lessons that came out of these experiences that god used and the people god put there at that particular time to just help you get out of it so it's not easy but always work towards it keep the character keep the work ethic that breakthrough is coming it always comes Wow. Keep the character, keep the work ethic. That breakthrough is coming. It always comes. Wonderful words from Akisa. For Akisa Wandera, her big break came when she joined KTN News nearly four years ago as a lunchtime news anchor. Now, the young girl who chose to defy her parents' wishes to pursue her own shines her own spotlight on the primetime news bulletin each week, continuing to defy the odds and shape her legacy. My name is Timothy Otieno and on behalf of my colleagues Marlin Blessing and Joshua Folorunso we do hope this particular episode of the 2030 podcast has a meaningful impact in your life. See you next week for another episode where we will be having discussions to inspire action.